the Plotcast Podcast with the Potty Plotters. Hello and welcome back to the Potty Plotters Plotcast Podcast. This is episode 49 and I'm Elaine. And I'm Julia. And this one's going out just before Christmas, isn't it, Elaine? Yeah. So um, we want some jingles, please, Gareth. Uh, yeah. And, I'll see what uh, I can do. All right, thank you. Yeah. And um, what else? I, I like little sort of ditty thingies oh. that make it very Christmassy. You know, like they do on the radio and the telly. Yeah, we have to pay for those, though. Oh, um, okay then. Well, do don't that. do yeah, them then, no. Gareth. Thank you. No. But um, yeah, well, here we are, episode forty-nine, nearly Christmas, and it's all very exciting. Yes. Here we are, uh, not in the wet weather outside, but we're at producer Gareth's house. Yes, because producer Gareth does not like to be out in the wet or the cold or the snow or the rain or the wind. Or oh no, the... I can do the wind. <laughs> all right. Okay. Oh, Julia can do the wind, but that's another story. <laughs> I didn't think we got any Brussels this year. Uh, no disaster. <laughs> So also, it's what I was going to do. I don't know if you, either of you two ever used to watch Bottom. Yes. Do you remember With the Rick Maynard. Yeah. Do you remember the Christmas one where they uh, they unwrapped? It's 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 another Brussels sprout. I was going to do that. We had we had some uh, baby rainbow carrots this week, which oh. my other half decided she didn't like. And one of the oh. white ones do resemble parsnips. They don't taste like parsnips, obviously. They taste nice. And uh, I was going to wrap each of those up and go, look, I've made the, I've done the Christmas meal for you. But it would take too long. Well, And I'm also not very good at wrapping. Well, um, I would say on that note, Gareth, practice makes perfect. No, it doesn't. And, um, it, looks like a, it looks like a disaster zone. No, I'm going to teach you. Did I tell you that I've been on a wrapping course once? What, that like... Wrap, 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 wrapping? <laughs> or is it a... Using oh. paper and sticky tape. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, what are we doing this for? Shall we just carry on? Yeah, we're meant to be talking about allotmenting and gardening, aren't oh, we? Oh, are we? So, oh, right. yes, okay, yes. Then. Well, I know that a few people, new people have found us. So we've yeah. got Charlotte now listening in Yorkshire. Lovely. Yorkshire. And, and, uh, I don't think they talk like that, do they? <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm not very good on accents. <laughs> I know. So I won't try it again. But uh, yeah, people are listening in to us, Elaine. And if they want to get hold of us, what do they do? Well, it's funny because... You do see, you want me to do was, it? Uh, yes, please, Gareth. Okay, yeah. just, just, for, just for Christmas, yeah. uh, oh. if, you're, if you're on social media, you can go to Facebook, Instagram and X, which is formerly known as Twitter, and you'll find us at Potty Plotters. Sometimes I update TikTok and you'll find us at The Potty Plotters. You can email us, naughtycorner at pottyplotters.uk. Or you can check out the website, pottyplotters.uk. The Plotcast Podcast with the Potty Plotters. We do have people email us and we love the emails, don't we? We love it when people get in contact with us because we do get some very, very funny things through the emails. (laughs) And talking of which, Keith Sandal has been back in touch again with his giant loofah. I think it's moved from a big one to a giant one. Mm. And his question was, what do I do with it for Christmas? (laughs) (laughs) Elaine will teach you how to wrap it, Keith. I've been on a course for learning how to rap. So, yes, actually. Um, well, what I would do is just literally take off the skin so it is like an eggshell so you can peel it and then take all the seeds out put those into little envelopes and give everybody a packet of seeds for next year (laughs) and then with the loofah you can either cut it in half cut it into quarters leave it whole dependent on who it's going to go to put a little bit of string or ribbon around the top stick some bubble bath with it 
and then give it somebody on Christmas Day, particularly if you're going to somebody's house for lunch or they're coming to you and there's always that person, isn't there? Well, always. Well, the one that needs the bath. No, the one who always gets out the photographs of their grandchildren, their children. And it used to be the holiday photos. Now it's moved to, I'm going to get my phone out and show everybody this person who is the best person in the whole world who has done this, who has done that. They're just so boring. Well, bore everybody, Keith, how you grew your loofah. I think the most impressive, I know you've told him to cut it up, but I mm. think it would be impressive if you actually oh, got yeah. a big wrap. Yeah. That would be, that would make your eyes water at Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> That's where you put it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Anyway. This is the most I've ever said on this podcast, isn't it? I know. It is, yeah. It's got to stop, Gareth. <laughs> a threesome on a podcast. Oh, no, we're not having that. We are going to go over some of the things that and people that we've spoken to in the past, aren't we? Yes, Elaine. We're going to catch up and uh, go over some of the episodes that we've recorded over the past year. And uh, first of all, I think we've got a friend of ours that, uh, well, we call him a friend. He probably calls it stalkers or something, doesn't he? <laughs> But, uh, yeah, the lovely Jonathan Mosley. It doesn't seem so long ago, does it, that we spoke to Jonathan. It was way back way in episode seven in March. But it did make me smile. And it was so cold then. So not a lot has actually changed. But he gave us advice as to how to decorate the house from things that are in the garden. This morning, I've just been having a little look what's happening in the garden. And it's great to see those emblems of springtime giving us some hope, some optimism at this time of year. Already we're looking forward. That's the beauty of gardening, isn't it? And growing growing flowers and vegetables. You're always looking forward. I think that's right. You know, all gardeners are optimistic. Some people say, you know, we have to be a little bit crazy because we're out in all weathers doing things. But, you know, the, the lovely thing about gardening is, and gardening be growing vegetables, growing flowers as I do, growing, growing a mixture, you know, herbs, whatever it is, you've always got a job to do, haven't you? You know, I know I've got friends who sometimes say, oh, you know, I hate these winter months after Christmas. You know, it's so boring. You can't do a lot. Not if you're a gardener. There's always masses and masses to get out there and do. Well, we've been collecting all our leaves and we're getting ready for the leaf mulch so we can put it down for next year, you know, put it all in the bags at the bottom of the allotment so nobody can see it. But Jonathan, at this time of year, it's boring inside our house. That's no detriment to my husband, obviously. (laughs) But it is, it's dull inside when actually I do like a lot of flowers around. Now, obviously, we've got the bulbs coming up for the spring, but also I've got a a twisted hazel and I haven't been to the hospital for that. You've not seen anyone yet. No, not yet. But I like twisted hazel. Try a cold compress, it helps. I can remember, you know, I've I've been lucky enough to uh, already have a look at your twisted hazel, Elaine, and, uh, you know, I've I've admired it from a safe distance. But, you know, (laughs) chop a little bit of it back during these winter months and bring it indoors. And, uh, you know, I I was, I'm I'm name dropping here now, but I I was working with Alan Titchmarsh last week. And uh, he was quite impressed because I showed him my pink pussy willow 
And oh. he was so bowled over by it. He said, Jonathan, I've not seen a pink pussy willow before. So I said, next time, Alan, I'm going to bring you a bit. I'll dig you a bit up and share it. And, you know, it's looking radiant in the garden at this time of year, Julie. It really is. And he's still on the telly with Alan. Do you Alan? know Alan? We know Alan, don't oh, we? Yeah, we met Alan, yeah. yeah. He was surrounded by security as well, wasn't <laughs> he? Was. Yeah, we got through there, didn't we? <laughs> we did. Yeah, we're there, aren't we? And, um, yeah, it's great that Jonathan is so busy. I mean, he's been at nearly all of the RHS shows decorating the entrance gates, the areas that most people can see. And he also then does the demonstrations there. He is such a wonderful, talented person. If anybody's never heard of uh, Jonathan Mosley, international floral designer, then look on our site and see if you can find him. But listen to episode seven. That's what I would say. If you'd like Elaine and Julia to come to a talk for your group, get in touch. Naughty Corner at pottyplotters.uk Well, it's fair to say, Elaine, that we don't get through one week without mentioning the weather. And um, it's one of those things that makes a huge difference to everything that we do, both on the plot and off the plot. And that's why we're here, both of us looking straight direct at Gareth Producer. Yeah. Why, were you expecting a weather person at this point? We were, yeah, we <laughs> well, were expecting... Well, you said, well, I'll well, get you a weather person mm, to talk yeah. about that. And I just I, want to say, are they all frightened of us, Gareth? Well, I tried both of them that are in my phone. Uh, You've one, got people in your phone? Yeah. Blimey. It's a big phone. And one of them ignored me. The oh. other one referred me to his boss and oh. then ignored me. So I thought, okay, I can, what, it can't be that difficult, can it? So I'll take a look at what's happened on the weather. Oh, so right. when we started this, if you remember, way back at the beginning of the year, it was freezing yeah. to the point where when we were recording, we are in multiple layers. We had little heaters on. Yeah. We were all, Things were chattering that weren't supposed to. <laughs> yeah. Unlike. <laughs> so, so I think let's take a look at what we've done. So uh, it was a little bit cold. We've had a little bit of snow, a little bit of rain. We've had storms. It's been a bit warmer than it was supposed to, a bit colder than it was supposed to. It's been a bit windier. It's been a bit gustier at times. It's thrashed it down. We've had snow the other week. We've had frost. There you go. There's a look back at the weather. It's basically been a typical British yeah, yeah. I'm oh, no. a qualified meteorologist now. <laughs> well, can you try better? No. Next year? <laughs> what do you want? The year before, where it was, where it was basically like a desert outside. Oh, it was. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather have it cold, and, um, but no rain, please. Can I yeah. uh, book a bit oh, of is this, is, is, You think you can book the weather? <laughs> do you think this is? It's a podcast. Okay, well, who else have we been talking to then? Well, you got a bit starstruck, didn't you? Or a little bit gooey-eyed over the look. Gooey-eyed? Jesus, I'm not 12. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you were after we came off this episode, weren't you? I was, yeah, Yeah. because we'd been talking to our friend again. I'm not sure if he would class us as his friend. (laughs) No. Other than a nuisance or stalkers, I'm not really sure. But uh, Rob Smith, back in episode eight. Now, for those of you who don't know Rob, he is... um, 
Well, how would we describe him? I, I would say that he's creative. He's a journalist. Yes. He writes every week for the, every month rather, for the Kitchen Garden magazine. Yeah. He's got a fabulous allotment over in his garden yes, yeah. now. He also writes for lots of other um, magazines and, yeah. and press. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he's um, he's been on the telebobs. Yeah. And that's why we like him, because he's one of those who talks like from Yorkshire. He talks how it is, and he says it how it is. And also, we know that he started out actually on an allotment site, so he knows how it is in the kind of uh, allotment community and all the challenges we face there, as well as all the highlights that we've got from an allotment as well. So, um, yeah. And I... What I liked about his interview was that he goes way back way and he starts to tell us all about how he learned all about the soil and he even talked about problems with the weather. Oh, that's a bit of a theme, isn't it? I started with my granddad. So I think it's one of those things where a lot of us of uh, different ages started with grandparents or parents that had bigger gardens. So my granddad, my grandma and granddad used to have a, a great big council house with this huge, great big gardens at the back, which he just turned into like a mini allotment. So um, when my mom and dad were working and we used to stay with them, like in the day when we were little kids, they used to get us as basically free slave labour to go and catch cabbage white, cabbage white butterflies and, and pick the slugs off and everything. So I used to love it. That's, that's where it all started, really. We know that you were once a virgin... Um... Atlantic flight attendant. Oh, trolley yes. golly. Yeah. <laughs> was your job compatible with having an allotment? Because we often find people come along and, and we say that sometimes it's not the right time. So was being a flight attendant compatible with allotment in? Um, I think it was a bit of a challenge, to be honest. So if I'd go away, say I'd go to San Francisco or LA or somewhere on a Monday, I wouldn't get back till Thursday night. So in the middle of the summer, the, the allotment has to basically fend for itself. Um, so it was all about mulching, all about getting the soil right, adding the manures, adding the compost so that they were as water retentive as they could be. Now, don't get me wrong. It used to be, uh, it was all clay, the allotment. So in the winter, it was like a quagmire and it never dried out, but it helped in the summer. Um, so you, 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 you have to be brutal. Um, if they didn't fend for themselves, they died. So you, you soon realised that your courgettes and everything were fine, but your, your things that need a bit of mollycoddling are perhaps better at home because you tried and you tried and they died and they died <laughs> and you just sort of like got on with it and, and grew what you could really. But the thing is, there's nothing sexy, is there, about allotmenting? And yet you've managed to... down the road? <laughs> 84 with his string vest on? What lady would say No. I, we've seen some sites on our site, I can tell you. <laughs> How did you first get noticed? Because you do not fit the normal trend of allotments. When I started on mine, it was that era in the like late 90s, early noughties when, remember when Hugh Fernley Whitting store was about yeah. and River Cottage had just started and it was amazing. It was like almost like you had the Good Life uh, programme years ago and then all right, it was a sitcom, but it got people inspired. But then there was nothing else, really. Yeah. You've got all your Delia Smiths and all the rest of it, but it was all about cooking. And there was nothing about growing, uh, like growing your own. Even Gardener's World, it was all about growing pansies and roses and yeah. agapanthus and all that. 
Uh, and then Hugh Finley Whittingstall came along and it was a case of, well, do you know what? You can grow this in your garden or go down the hedgerow and get some from over next door's fence that's bobbing over the fence and all the rest of it. That's when I just moved back up to Sheffield and I, I was in a flat and it was a first floor flat. And I was thinking, oh, I need to, I haven't got a garden. I'd always grown stuff. Uh, and I thought, well, what can I do? And every day I was to drive past the allotment. And I was thinking, well, why don't I go for an allotment? And at the time when I went, the site that I went to, half of them were not used. So all the ones from the road halfway up the plot, the farmer used to use them just as a field and put potatoes in every year mm-hmm. just to keep them cultivated uh, to stop them going from, to rack and ruin. So when I got there, uh, this old fella, Ken, who used to run the allotment, had a big old six-foot cane and was measuring it out down the field and stabs a cane in, piece of string, and he went, there you go. And I'm like, oh, my, what the bloody hell do I do with that? So you think, right, okay, going to have to look into this. So I started getting magazines. It was all right because I'd done stuff with my granddad and I used to grow like in my old house and stuff, but an allotment's totally different. And Rob has now gone on to write a book which will be out in March next year. So get ready for a signed copy and no doubt he will probably, I would have thought anyway, send us one, do you reckon? Do you think so? Well, it's too late for Christmas. We're but... not far away, are we? We no. could go fetch it if you like. Oh, now you're talking. Well, amongst some of the other lovely people we've met this year, we had the privilege of talking to Lee Norbury. Now, he's very local to us, isn't he, Elaine? He is. And in episode 18, we popped out to see him as he was preparing for the show of the year again, which was RHS Chelsea Flower Show over in London. And uh, he was working there at that time with James Doran Webb. I've been a gardener my whole life. Uh, started at 14, 15 years old, um, developed my lovely little business into what it is today, looking after people's gardens, landscaping, one-off bespoke jobs. Um, through that, a while ago, a friend got a job at Chelsea. Last year, I got invited again to go and do a, a specific job on a stand on um, one of the show gardens on the corner plot. It's gone from there and met James Doran Webb last year because we were neighbours, built up a friendship, started looking after everything that he'd got last year for this year's show and then grew into what it is now and the insanity that is Chelsea. Um, But you said that you started around the age of 14 or something similar, so you've been doing this all your life. How do you know all the proper names and things of plants? (laughs) So I'm not formally trained. I didn't go to university or anything like that. I'm just, it's life training. I was lucky enough to work on a nursery as a young lad. So you very quickly get that knowledge and it was pretty specific at the time. It was herbaceous, it was bedding plants. Then start looking after gardens and designing gardens, even as a young lad, giving them ideas. I didn't know everything, didn't know everything at all. But in gardening, there can be too many set rules. We all have failures. Sometimes a plant doesn't work in a situation and that's where you gain more knowledge of right plant, right place. I read a book 25 years ago that called that, right plant, right place, and it... It does give you ideas and it gives you even more, I don't know, brain power and just, you learn. It's just self-taught learning. I don't know the name of every plant. I don't know the name of every shrub, but usually by waving my arms about and describing something, I can get across what I'm after. And even in my van today, there's cuttings off my hedge. So I can go to the customer and go, 
I think you should use this and this. Yeah. And there's not many people who do that. I am different. And that's what's worked with James at Chelsea because he's got very specific ideas and it's all off the cuff. We've got a plan. We've got a, an overhead plan of what it should look like. And believe it or not, this year, Lee is showing at RHS Hampton Court Palace and also RHS Tatton. So going on to bigger and definitely better things than years before. You there, oh, name. You said this year he's showing at no, I mean, RHS. No, I mean, next year. Isn't it? Yeah. Because we're still at, this is the Christmas yeah, episode, remember? It is. So. Mm. It's just I've got all my ears all muddled up because it's sort of the end of... The growing season, yes. as we know it, yeah. I refer to that as now last year, which is this year, and next year, which isn't. You do confuse me. <laughs> you are very confusing. <laughs> now, when we went to Chelsea back in May, um, and you can catch up on, on episode 19 for this one, we did talk to <laughs> oh, some yeah. people who were truly yeah. inspirational. And I have to say, I was a bit besotted with Mark Gregory's plot that he did there. When yeah. we say plot, what I'm talking about is the show garden. Yeah. But it was effectively everything that I would dream of. It's like got a kitchen in the garden, a veg plot. It was beautiful. It was full of perennial flowers. It was everything I wanted my garden to be this has been in my head for a while people love their detail of my gardens people really engage and i really like i i regard these gardens as theater with plants and i've tried to create uh, an old uh, a setting so seasonal kitchens an old wall garden belonging to a, a small boutique hotel that has a fine dining experience and the hotel have built this so that the the diner can actually reserve this and have a private party the chef comes down and actually cooks for you and your, and your guests in this private space. And, and really, for the first time in the history of Chelsea, uh, we are going to cook every single day and we're going to crop from the garden. We're actually going to take vegetables out, we're going to make pickling, we're going to pumice materials, we're going to make sauces. Uh, we're using a fantastic sustainable chef called Sam Buckley, who is into foraging and into vegetables and growing. He loves it. He's in love with the garden already. And we're going to basically do that and then and literally serve a full lunch service. So they'll be going out and just selecting, the chef will be going out and selecting what is ready, really, to accompany that. Yeah, it? I mean, the thing is, I mean, Sam, we've worked with Sam and he's just absolutely the right chef for this garden. He completely gets it. I've been to his restaurant. He's had all our plant lists and it's a comprehensive list and he's done the research. But since he's come down last night, he's looked at things that we've put in, extra things, and he's just like, oh my goodness, I didn't, I didn't think I'd have this, I didn't have that. And he's so excited, he's changing the menus. So literally, he's he's in chef heaven, is what he is. But for, for, for the public to actually witness a, a top flight chef cut and then talking to them about what what chefs want from vegetables. He's not about big vegetables, it's about you know tips and, and flowers and edible flowers and companion flowers and so much stuff in here that I've really put in. And you know, to see the chef genuinely excited, genuinely is really, really up for this. Uh, I, think be, I think it's a spectacle for the public. Last year when we came, we were banging on Elaine and I, my, my oppo that's somewhere stuck in that uh, big marquee over there. Yes. But we were banging on about where are the edibles and we were kind of scouting around looking for them. Well, they're full on on your plot, aren't they? And how does that fit with Chelsea Flower Show? Because everyone thinks flowers, but actually, I mean, we always say, vegetables are beautiful 
you know, some of the flowers on the broad beans and, and all the colours that the vegetables have got. But you've also got a lovely planted perennial area as, as well up here. So how does it fit and will it be able to meet all the criteria? Well, I think it meets it and then some. I mean, never have, as fresh food and, and well-being and finances and cost of living crisis and grow your own. It's never been more relevant. And most of the gardens that come here understand that. And they, they actually, I think... All my gardens, for the last, the, 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 uh, the Wensendale garden and the Lockkeeper's garden, all had vegetables in. Uh, but uh, they, they, they were theatrical. This is a real functioning space. And I've really tried to be as authentic as I can with the vegetables. I've labelled everything. Because if you're staying in that kind of, that beautiful gardening hotel, everything would be labelled. Yes. So, so that is for the theatre, but that's actually trying to get the message across. Uh, um, no, I think it's it's actually a bang on message. Uh, I think uh, I think the market, the guys in the marquee will come out. They love it, and you know, yeah, I think I think vegetables are beautiful anyway. Actually, yes, they are. Uh, but when you start to play around with them, why why can't they sit in with other planting? The Plotcast Podcast with the Potty Plotters. But the funniest bit of the interviews that we did at Chelsea might have got us into a lot of trouble had it not been for Gareth. Because he had to cut bits out. I've gone sort of quiet, like yeah. we're going to get into trouble. There's a but- lot on the cutting room floor, <laughs> isn't there? <laughs> yeah, and maybe we'll get banned from Chelsea this next year, if we ever get that far, I don't know. But what a laugh. And it's behind the scenes that a lot of people don't know about. And in particular, it was when we met Steve Backshaw. Now then, Steve was not what we expected, and I don't think we were what he expected. But all I can say is, when he joined in about the conversation over to Julia, because she really did drop a clangor. Did I really? No, I was just discussing your great tits. They, you might have a, a female blue tit coming back to the nest every eight minutes and, you know, foraging, going out, finding caterpillars. It's another reason why it's so important to have the right kind of plants in your garden that are going to have those caterpillars on them. And I know gardeners hate them, but at the same time, vitally important. Uh, you know, all of these wild mothers and fathers are going about their yeah. business in our space and we have the opportunity to make it better for them and, and I think you know as someone for whom nature has been the most important thing in my life it's been the thing that gives back to me over and over and again far more than I ever put in and, and I think that you know I have the opportunity here in a small way to spread that message to so many people who are already gardeners I mean yeah. it, it's perfect you are infectious it's fair to say I mean that's that, not of anything in, in, particular in but to be saying <laughs> but you are infectious and I'm just hoping that we'll be able to spread the word to other people perhaps who haven't got a big garden perhaps who've just got containers nevertheless they can help with all of the insects the pollinators etc that could actually go to their little pots out there yeah no that's that's absolutely true you know I'm lucky I, I have a garden but a, a lot of people don't it, it is important to know that if you just got a window box or if you've got a plant pot on your front door that you know what you choose to put in that makes a difference that is hands down the most fun interview I've ever done anyway I don't think we'd get through this episode now Julia unless we mentioned 
Mr. Nematode. Oh, Chris Holden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mr. Toad. Now, he's everywhere, isn't he? Yeah. He's another one that appears at all the RHS shows. Well, when shows. you say he's everywhere, it's because we find him, Elaine. <laughs> That's why he's everywhere, because we intentionally seek him out, don't we? We do, yeah. Because he's a lot of fun, yeah. but he's also there promoting one of yeah. the things that we use on the plots, and we're a big fan of, and there's so much fun to be had around this. So, uh, yeah, we caught up with him. Earlier in episode 20. The nematode in, is basically it's just a parasitic worm. It's a microscopic parasitic worm. In this case, lives in the soil. Basically, there is around about 12,000 different types of nematodes. And the ones we just use for controlling slugs is just one of them. Chris, not all nematodes are good, are they? No, the, the ones we use are the good guys. But because you get nematodes in lots of different things, you can get nematodes in oil and stuff like that. And, and people sometimes worry that, you know, we're using or introducing nematodes that are not good. But we only use nematodes that actually are already in the soil or, or around anyway. So we're not introducing something that is not already there. The way I've described them when we've been on air is that we're sending in the good guys, aren't we, to defeat the bad guys? Yeah, but basically, we, we can't call them the bad guys, but it's just a natural way to control them. So it's just creating a, a natural balance between the pest and the nematode, really. And the nematode isn't a toad? No, it's not a toad. I do get called to Mr. Toad sometimes, but it's not a toad. Uh, it isn't, no. So, if you want to hear all of the interviews, why not go back over all of the episodes? You could sort of excuse yourself, couldn't you, from the dinner table after everybody's eaten, when yeah. the washing up wants doing, and just say you've got something urgent to listen to. <laughs> and then bed yourself down on the comfiest chair, quick before everybody else. With a box of chocolates. Oh, my word. Now you're talking. And some homemade gin. Not that we're going to mention gin again today, but that's what you could do it stick yeah. your headphones on and be ignorant and we get better the more you drink <laughs> <laughs> the biggest thank yous though go to everybody who's listening i cannot believe that so many people have downloaded our uh, chats because that's what they are really yeah. isn't it yeah. but thank you to everybody and also to um poor old producer gareth yeah there's only two other men who suffer like gareth aren't there are there our husband's my husband doesn't suffer because he likes it when I'm not there. Yeah. 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 Okay. What about yours? Um, Do you remember what he looks like? Shall we draw yeah. him? <laughs> like an e -fit. That would be funny, wouldn't it? Like a Pictionary game. Yeah. Come on then, let's do it. It's Christmas after all. After all, put them jingles on now, Gareth. The Plotcast Podcast with the Potty Plotters is an Amberland Media production. 